Well, it's uh, hi, it's Ross here again. I'm just going to. Uh, I've got some of the questions that were left over from church on Sunday, and I'm just going to uh, have a go at trying to answer them for you and uh, point you in the right direction for maybe where you could look for some of the answers as well. So the passage um, from Sunday was Genesis nine. We were talking about Noah uh, and what happened after the flood and uh, whether the flood really worked or not. So we chatted about that. You have to. You might be able to go and listen to the talk if you haven't heard already. The first one is, why does God say everything that lives and moves will be for food for you in verse 3 and then prohibits the Israelites from eating pork and shellfish? So this is a really great question because it's picking up on what we see become part of the rest of the story of the Old Testament uh, and how God relates to his special people Israel. And so you might want to think about uh, answering this question by uh, noticing that what people can eat uh, kind of changes. Um, So even in our chapter, in chapter 9, it's a change from what was said in chapter 1. So I'll just read it. In chapter 1, verse 29, God says, Behold, I give you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its fruit, and you shall have them for food. So this uh, begins off kind of God's instruction about uh, what people can eat, and it's particularly Adam and Eve in this case, and it sounds like it's all about being vegetarian. But then in Genesis chapter 9, when Noah and his sons are kind of part of God restarting creation, or recreate, you know, as a bit of a recreation, there's it sort of changed what what they eat. Uh, it's extended from all plants to all plants and animals. So, you know, in a sense, you might want to be asking the question, well, what's what's significant about sort of this new, this new is it this kind of restart, or um, and is there something to do with a, a beginning that defines what? you eat, in a sense. That seems like a bit simplistic, but there might be something there because when there's a, a new start in Adam and Eve, a beginning in Adam and Eve, they're told some, some suggestions or they're told some guidelines about what to eat. When Noah and his sons um, are part of a, a beginning, they're told what they can eat between something that's different from the other one. And in a sense, is is... God starting his people of Israel, making them a new nation, a new a new thing, that's a beginning, and he tells them what to eat. So I wonder if there's something there, there's a bit of a pattern of beginnings. And then don't we see that when there's a beginning in Christ uh, and him starting something new, there's also a change to what people can eat again, isn't there? Uh, Christians, we don't... Um, uh, we don't say that or we don't we don't believe from what the Bible says uh, to us that we shouldn't eat pork and shellfish and I think there's there's a new sense and and Paul spends a lot of time in the New Testament talking about what uh, it's what's um, suggest uh, the freedom that there is uh, in what we eat as Christians and so maybe you might there's a bit of a pattern here about um, when there's something new and begins there is uh, it shapes. There's, there's distinctive characteristics about um, food. So there's something interesting you could follow, follow on there and through the Bible. Uh, the second question is, does it mean that this heart softening 
is a lifelong process once the Holy Spirit starts changing those he chooses. So this person is asking a question about um, something that I mentioned, talking about in the talk that our, it's our heart that there's a problem um, and there's something that uh, is go, uh, there's a story of the, one of the stories that the Bible um, speaks. It's a true story. It's, it's part of history of um, the revealing the human heart and its evilness, its wickedness, and God's work through what Jesus has done to bring about um, new hearts. And, and I might have uh, said along the way about uh, softening hearts. And someone's asking, is this process lifelong? And I, I wonder if the way we want to think about this uh, is uh, we want to be in light with what the Bible says clearly. We have passages in the New Testament that talk about our inner self being renewed day by day. So being we're being changed, we're being transformed uh, into people who reflect more and more God's character. But the Bible also does talk clearly about and will uh, that there's a there's a instant change as well. So there's uh, a part an one aspect of it is that it uh, it's lifelong, but another aspect of it is that it's already happened for those who have put their trust in Jesus. And so a little bit later, so that the, the I just quoted a passage from two Corinthians chapter four, but I also suggested in the talk that a great place to look to think about the this new heart, this new creation kind of language is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, from verse 16, Paul says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There is a material difference. Uh, when someone puts their trust in Jesus, they are... They are a, a new creation, a new creature, um, given new lease on life, given new purpose, given new desires. And yes, they, are, they, want, they also grow and, and transform over uh, our lifetimes. But there's, a, there's an important uh, uh, replacement and change that happens uh, as people trust in Jesus. Not in, I'm not trying to claim that it happens in an instantaneous way, but it's that uh, for those who trust in Jesus, he, is, he promises to give um, new hearts and desires. And that's the basis upon which we can live out uh, Christ-like uh, behavior and Christ-like, um, I guess, perspective on, on life as well, because we've been given that. So, yeah, I'll just push back a little bit on the question and want us to hold, in, hold together that it's, it's something that happens. There's, there's change and transformation over our lives. But the Bible also wants us to see that there's a completely new beginning that happens when we when people trust in Jesus. Uh, so much so that we can call ourselves, if we put our trust in Jesus, a new creation. So, and our third question is, Ham wouldn't necessarily know that his father was naked before entering the tent and telling his brothers who had the benefit to know. So why was Ham punished or cursed? And this is uh, a question that, is, I guess, pointing to our, what do we know about how uh, there can be wrongdoing even though we don't, or someone might not know that what they're doing is wrong or what they're about to do going to cause them to be, have a guilt or have shame uh, because of what they've done. 
uh, ham not knowing, you know, just turning a corner and without realizing there is in front of him is his father who's naked, and that seems to be the thing that is um, referred to as the passage as him, him kind of bringing shame and or dishonor on his on his dad by um, by doing this, like looking on him in his nakedness. Um, the the Bible does uh, in a few different places point us towards that there is a reality that there can be wrongdoing, there can be um, there can be uh, evil done even though it's accidental. So for instance, there's laws in the laws of the Old Testament that were given to the Israelite people that um, there was uh, sacrifices that they could make to cover over the guilt that they had acquired if they'd done something unintentionally or done something accidentally. And so that's quite interesting that there's a provision for how to how to have your guilt taken away even though you'd done something by accident or without without the motive of doing something to destroy or bring um, to wreck something or to to that impaired or damaged relationships or things like that. And I wonder if also we see that uh, in in the in the gospel, there is uh, a real tragedy that goes on where um, there are pe- plenty of people who should have known that Jesus was that is uh, that Jesus was God's chosen savior and was innocent and was God because they'd seen what he'd done and heard what he said, but many of them just wanted to ignore it. But there was also people who were partially responsible for Jesus' death who didn't know who he was. They, they um, put to death someone who they had perhaps limited awareness of who he was. And we see that there's, there's, uh, there's definitely responsibility on their parts. You, just because you... So it's not just that they have done something wrong about by killing a person, but they've done something They've, they've done something even worse than they even expected by putting to death Jesus, who's innocent and who is, who is God. And so uh, it's not ignorance or un, un, uh, a lack of motive that excuses or, or enables us to be guilt-free, um, but rather we still have to face the consequences that we do, even if there's, uh, we don't uh, do it intentionally or with the intention of an evil motive. Uh, and so it actually is, um, I think that does, and that applies, that something that probably is true about our life and how we live today as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think the, the way you want to, I want to answer that question is just want to push back a little bit and, uh, on your, on how we understand what it means to do something wrong. Um, and uh, when there isn't motives involved, there still can be uh, error and um, guilt and wrongdoing on our part. And I think that uh, it's not an unhelpful question to ask just because it does actually help us think about the nature of doing wrong and that we're, we're all, even though we, many of us might feel like we, we have very good motives and we, we try and do the right thing, even that, even our just desire to do the right thing and our carefulness doesn't mean that um, we're able to be good enough or to be um, consistent enough to live in a way that uh, God can accept. Um, we all fall short. We all stuff things up and we all um, uh, do things that God is angry about. But we have a great saviour who 
shows us God's gracious plan to bring about a way for us to be in relationship with him, even though we uh, intentionally and unintentionally um, bring dishonor to God and uh, damage our relationship with him. So that's something to be, give great thanks for. Um, thanks for the questions, and I hope they were helpful.